welcome back to Weird on the Rocks. This is a podcast that explores the weird, unusual, strange, and unexplained, all while getting our drink on. I'm your host, Katie. Today's episode is going to be the third and final episode of the Zodiac Killer series. So far, I have covered the Zodiac victims, David Faraday, Betty Lou Jensen, Darlene Farron, Cecilia Shepard, and Paul Stein, as well as the many letters he sent in to the police and the media. Today, I'm going to conclude everything with a discussion of the different suspects that have emerged over the years. If you have not listened to the first two episodes, please go back and do so, so that this episode is in context for you. The true identity of the Zodiac has still never been confirmed, but just last year, the Vallejo Police Department reopened the Zodiac case, and there are talks of them using genealogy sites such as 23andMe and Ancestry.com to collect information just like they did in the Golden State Killer case. So I'm really hopeful that something may give, and even though the real Zodiac might be dead at this point, maybe we can have some answers and get some closure on this case, especially for the families of the victims. A lot of armchair detectives online have a feeling like something big is going to happen soon in regards to this case. The suspects I'm going to discuss today are only a few of many After spending a lot of time on this case, I have found even more suspects that have been mentioned online, but today I'm going to stick to the names that came up the most in my research. Before we get into the good stuff, I want to read another iTunes review. This one comes from Mama Hums, and it says, I look forward to each new episode. My favorite so far has been the Mandela Effect. I have had several thought-provoking conversations about it with friends about the concept. I now notice potential examples of that phenomenon regularly. The Urban Legends episode was spot on. If only people would stop and think before perpetuating hysteria. The local school district here even sent letters out about the Momo Challenge. They used it as a forum to tell parents to pay attention to what their kids are doing online and to talk to them about internet safety. People need to be told that? (laughs) Great job, Katie. Thank you so much. Um, I'm glad you're finding the topics interesting, and I completely agree with everything you said. Sadly, in today's day and age, I think there are a lot of people that need to be reminded to keep an eye on what your kids are doing. And especially online, it can be a scary place. In regards to the Mandala Effect episode, a lot of people have actually told me that's their favorite and they never heard about it until this show. So I'm glad that I can open you guys up to something new. I love the Mandala Effect. I am constantly reading about it online. So, so I hope to do another episode on that in the near future, actually. I also want to give a quick shout out to my friends Jensen and Courtney over at the It's an Odd World After All podcast. They have an Instagram and a Facebook, both at It's an Odd World After All. If you like this show, you're going to love their show. They're really hilarious together. They cover just a lot of weird, odd stuff like I do. And what's cool about their show is they have a different theme every week and they read stories that people send in. So they have a lot of ghost and paranormal stories, Ouija board stories. They have um, one about Bigfoot. So it's all over the place and it's awesome. They're great. So if you like the show, you will definitely like them. You will not be disappointed. So check out It's an Odd World After All. If you want to keep up to date with my show, please check out my Facebook and Instagram at Weird on the Rocks podcast and the website at weirdontherocks.weebly.com. The best way you can support me and the show is to subscribe wherever you're listening right now and to rate and review the show on iTunes. I want to say again, thank you so much to everyone who has shown their support so far. 
I really have heard nothing but positive feedback. And I'm just really glad everyone's along on this weird ride with me. It makes it that much more enjoyable. So thank you so much. Of course, I need to share this week's drink of choice before we get going. Tonight, I'm drinking something I kind of just whipped together with the random stuff in my kitchen, but it sounded really good. It has vodka, lemonade, Sprite, and muddled strawberries in it. It's really, really good. It would also be delicious with mint or basil added. I think I'm going to do some mint next time. It's really refreshing and bubbly. This summer, I'm going to get an inflatable pool in my backyard, and I can just picture myself already in the pool drinking one of these on a hot summer's day. I can't wait. So if you have a bunch of random stuff in your kitchen, give it a shot because you might make something really delicious. All right, let's get into it. Cheers, and let's get weird. So the most well-known suspect in the Zodiac case is a man named Arthur Lee Allen. Allen was born in Hawaii in 1933, which made him in his early 30s when the Zodiac killings began. In 1971, the Manhattan Beach Police Department received a call from a man named Don Cheney, who said that he believed his friend Arthur Lee Allen might be the Zodiac killer. In an interview, Cheney recalled many disturbing things that Allen had told him. He said there was a particularly odd conversation that happened no later than January 1st, 1969, less than a month after the murders of Betty Lou Jensen and David Faraday. And Don Cheney remembers this vividly because it was the new year and it was the last conversation he would ever have with Arthur Lee Allen. Cheney says the two men were on a day hunting trip when Allen confided to him that he wanted to kill people and use the alias Zodiac, which would have been before the killer first referred to himself by that name to the media. He also told Cheney that he planned on taping a flashlight to the end of a gun to see better, and that he wanted to shoot out the tires of a school bus and shoot the kids as they came out. Also that he wanted to write and call the police to taunt them, and that he would sign his name with a cross-circle symbol. During this conversation, Allen also referenced the book The Most Dangerous Game, a book that the Zodiac would later quote in a letter. Cheney reported this to the police, who subsequently obtained the first of many search warrants of a trailer Allen owned in Santa Rosa, California, about an hour north of San Francisco in the North Bay Area. The search of his trailer came up empty-handed, but the Santa Rosa police revealed that they simultaneously had Allen as a suspect in another batch of murders referred to as the Santa Rosa Hitchhiker Murders that targeted young college-aged women although they never stated why Allen was a suspect. But when police mapped out the locations of where the young women's bodies had been found in the hitchhiker murders, it created a large circle, and Allen's trailer park was right in the middle. These details wouldn't be the only circumstantial evidence that would point towards Arthur Lee Allen as the Zodiac. In fact, he had a tie to almost every single one of the murders. In 1957, Allen enlisted in the Navy, but he was discharged in 1958. Many officials believed the Zodiac had military experience, and the boot print found at the Lake Berryessa crime scene was that of a military-grade boot. From 1962 to 1963, Allen worked as a teacher at Travis Elementary on the Travis Air Force Base. 
but he was fired when discovered that he had a loaded gun in his car. In 1965, he hurt his leg in a motorcycle accident, resulting in a severely lacerated leg that often caused him to limp, something the teenagers who witnessed the murder of Paul Stein mentioned when they called 911. Allen also lived in Riverside at the time of Sherry Jo Bates' murder in 1966, and in a search of his home, they found the exact year and brand of typewriter that the Riverside letter was written from. Allen also reportedly called in sick to work the day after Bates' murder, something that was uncommon for him. In 1967, Allen's mother, Bernice, gave him a Zodiac brand watch that had the same cross-circle logo, and this is the only place that the name Zodiac and this logo had been seen together before the killer used it as his symbol. In 1969, shortly after the murder of Darlene Farron, a friend of hers mentioned a man who came to Darlene's painting party and made everyone feel uncomfortable. She said he had a short, common name, and she thinks it was Lee. On October 6, 1969, Allen was questioned in regards to the Cecilia Shepard murder at Lake Berryessa for reasons unknown. He admitted that he was an avid scuba diver and visited the lake often. The majority of the Zodiac killings took place near bodies of water, and authorities believed their suspect was comfortable with water activity. In 1971, the Manhattan Beach Police received that call from Don Cheney regarding his conversation with Arthur Lee Allen. And since Allen was already on their radar as a Zodiac and Santa Rosa hitchhiker murder suspect, detectives from San Francisco Police Department visited Allen at his job at an oil refinery. During this interview, Allen was wearing his Zodiac watch. He was again questioned about his whereabouts on the day of the Lake Berryessa attack, and he asked if someone called in because they saw blood and a knife in his car that day and that it was just from a chicken he had killed for dinner. This was the first the police had heard about this bloody knife in his car. This meeting prompted the search of Allen's trailer in Santa Rosa, which turned up nothing. After this interview and the following search of his trailer, the Zodiac did not write again for two and a half years. In 1974, Allen was arrested for child molestation, pled guilty, and served a two-year sentence. After Allen's arrest, no more authenticated Zodiac letters were ever received. For years, Allen had sporadic employment around the North Bay area, and in 1991, he actually conducted some interviews with the press trying to clear his name. In 1992, Mike Majot, who survived a Zodiac attack in 1969, was shown a lineup of potential Zodiac suspects and immediately picked out Arthur Lee Allen as his attacker. When asked why he had never identified him before, he said he was never shown the photo before. However, some think that Mike Majot may have seen Arthur Lee Allen's face on TV, which might have skewed his perspective. Just a month later, Allen died of natural causes at the age of 58 after suffering from diabetes and heart problems. Two days after his death, Vallejo police obtained yet another search warrant of his trailer, and this time found a freezer full of dead squirrels, various firearms matching some of the guns used in Zodiac killings, a drawing of a homemade bomb, and explicit sexual material. Both a DNA sample and handwriting sample were taken during the search. The handwriting sample was compared to the Zodiac letters, but were determined not to be a match, and the DNA was compared to a stamp on a Zodiac letter, but the results were negative. However, Alan's brother and sister-in-law said that he hated licking stamps and always had someone else lick them for him. Alan also did not match the composite sketch of the Zodiac and was a bit taller and had a bigger build than the Zodiac description. There are also many who speculate if the call from his friend Don Cheney that first alerted him as a Zodiac suspect was even legitimate to begin with. There were rumors at the time that Cheney was upset with Allen because he was inappropriate with his underage daughter and made the call to police as an act of revenge. 
Arthur Lee Allen still remains the main suspect in the Zodiac case and the suspect that many police officers believe is their guy. But the evidence is not substantial enough to prove he had anything to do with the Zodiac. Arthur Lee Allen still remains the name that most people bring up when discussing the Zodiac case. Robert Graysmith, who worked for the San Francisco Chronicle during the Zodiac era and spent many years researching the case and writing numerous books, still has Allen as his number one suspect. However, if you do a bit more digging, there are also many out there who think Allen is not the Zodiac and other men fit the profile better. Ross Sullivan was a young college student who attended Riverside City College with Sherry Jo Bates and worked in the college library. According to co-workers, Sullivan didn't show up for work for several days after her murder without notifying anyone. He always wore an army jacket and military boots. But when he returned to work after the murder, he was in new clothes and never wore that outfit again. Sullivan wore glasses almost identical to the Zodiac's and closely resembled the composite sketch. However, he was much bigger than the Zodiac, weighing around 220 pounds and was six foot two. Apparently, even Sullivan's own brother told people he thought Ross was the Zodiac. Interviews with other Riverside City College employees stated that Sullivan was odd and made many of them feel uncomfortable. His handwriting was never professionally reviewed, but samples shown online closely resembles samples from the Zodiac, including misspellings of the same words. He was also an English major and took several classes on cryptology as well as writing a paper about how to use different handwriting. Shortly after the Bates murder in Riverside, Sullivan moved further up north to the Santa Cruz area, where he had several stints in mental hospitals for bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. After that, his whereabouts were unknown for many years, and he eventually died in Santa Cruz in 1977 for unknown reasons. Rick Marshall is another man suspected of being the Zodiac because he shared many similarities with the killer and had a similar timeline. Marshall lived near Riverside at the time of the Sherry Jo Bates murder and in Napa at the time of the Lake Berryessa attack on Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell. In 1969, he lived very close to the Paul Stein murder scene in a home with a basement, something very uncommon in San Francisco, and the Zodiac mentioned his basement in a letter. Marshall was a big film enthusiast and eventually worked as a projectionist at a movie theater in San Francisco. His favorite film to show was El Specter Rojo, or The Red Phantom, which is the same name the Zodiac used to sign a letter in 1974. However, most of the information about Rick Marshall is circumstantial and erroneous. People who knew him said he was ambidextrous, wrote with a felt-tip marker like the Zodiac, and was an overall odd and different individual. He also supposedly had a collection of homosexual pornography, and journalist Paul Avery of the San Francisco Chronicle, who was assigned to the Zodiac case and conducted copious research, believed the Zodiac was a latent homosexual. However, none of this evidence has ever been strong enough to tie Rick Marshall to the Zodiac. Another favorite Zodiac suspect of some people online is a man named Richard Dick Gajkowski. Gajkowski came on the radar as a suspect after an old co-worker who went by the pseudonym Goldcatcher informed the police of Gajkowski's similarities to the Zodiac. Gajkowski worked as a journalist at the San Francisco newspaper Good Times, right down the block from where Paul Stein, the murder taxi driver, lived. Gajkowski also trained one day a week as an army medic, which could possibly tie him to the military-grade bootprints left at two Zodiac murders, as well as the fact that Paul Stein's shirt was ripped very neatly and precisely by hand, something he would have learned to do as an army medic. Gajkowski resembled the composite sketch of the Zodiac, complete with the glasses, 
and when Nancy Stover, the dispatcher who spoke on the phone with the Zodiac in 1969, heard his voice on a recording, she concluded it was the same man she spoke with that night. But the one main clue that makes Richard Gajkowski a suspect to many people has to do with the cipher the Zodiac sent to the San Francisco Chronicle on July 31, 1969. The cipher included the four-letter word Geik, spelled G-Y-K-E. Apparently, Gajkowski often went by the nickname Geik and often used the name Dick Geik, although he spelled it G-A-I-K, not G-Y-K-E. Some people believe that this word being included in the cipher was a clue. Paul Stein's sister also later identified Richard Gajkowski as someone who attended Paul's funeral, although there was no connection between the two individuals. There have also been multiple people over the years who have come forward claiming to be the Zodiac or have a friend or family member who is the Zodiac. The most well-known of these is a man named Gary Stewart, who claims that his biological father, Earl Van Best Jr., was the Zodiac. He wrote a book titled The Most Dangerous Animal of All that was released in 2014, and I've actually read it. Although the story is interesting, there are many holes in this theory and really nothing that ties his father to the Zodiac. Although this book got a lot of attention because it was published by a mainstream publishing house, and Gary Stewart did a lot of media interviews. In the book, Gary Stewart paints a picture of Earl Van Best, who was arrested for fraud and the rape of a minor, Gary's mother, who was only 13, and fled the country with her. She became pregnant with Gary and put him up for adoption. It wasn't until Stewart was an adult that he started looking into his biological father. The first thing that made him think his father was the Zodiac was after he saw a photo of the composite sketch on a history show, and he thought it looked like an old photo he had of his father. Earl Van Best Jr. definitely does resemble the composite sketch and has identical glasses, but so did most of the men in the late 1960s. Gary Stewart obtained the marriage certificate from his parents' wedding day, and after handwriting analysis was done, it was determined to be the Zodiac's handwriting. Although it was later determined the writing was from the officiant who married them, not Earl Van Best Jr. So it sounds like he needs a new handwriting guy. The thing that annoys me the most with this theory, other than Gary Stewart making a shit ton of money off this ridiculous book, which I'm dumb enough to buy, is that when you Google the Zodiac, a picture of Earl Van Best Jr. actually shows up first, when in reality, nobody actually thinks that this guy was the Zodiac. Some other Zodiac suspects that have been discussed over the years are Lawrence Kane, Robert Tarbox, Bruce Davis, and Donald Hardin, although I don't have enough information to discuss them in depth. There are also many theories out there about the Zodiac that don't focus on any one suspect. There are some who believe the entire Zodiac thing is actually a hoax. Those who attend to this theory believe that someone or multiple people were just taking credit for random killings that had no real connection to one another. A major player in this theory is a man named Thomas Horan. He believes that the Zodiac character was actually created by someone in the police force who wanted to draw attention to crime, particularly drug-related crime. The first two murders happened at Lover's Lanes, where drug activity and selling was very common, and he believes that a police officer was somehow involved in drug trafficking or knew something about it and was scared. When these teenagers were murdered, they took it upon themselves to create the Zodiac character to bring attention to the drug epidemic that was happening. A law official being the Zodiac could also explain the bloody torn piece of Paul Stein's shirt because they would have access to crime scene evidence. Horan even theorizes that Robert Graysmith, the man who worked as a cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle and wrote numerous Zodiac books, could actually be the one writing the Zodiac letters 
and just connecting them to random murders that were happening. Some also believe that there was not just one Zodiac, but several people working together. One person would do the killing, another would write the letters, and another would make the phone calls. This would make it harder to pinpoint one person. I have even found discussion of the Zodiac being a group of prison inmates. During the attack on Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell at Lake Berryessa, the Zodiac mentioned that he escaped from prison in Deer Lodge, Montana, and needed to flee to Mexico with their car. There is speculation that several inmates or ex-inmates from this prison were working together and carrying out different parts of the plan. It has also been suggested that the Zodiac may indeed be one man, but someone who suffers with multiple personality disorder. The Zodiac never stuck to a consistent M.O. and had several different writing styles and tones in his letters throughout the years. Many individuals who have multiple personality disorder talk, write, and behave differently depending on which personality is currently inhibiting their psyche. However, many believe that all these crazy theories are far-fetched and that the more simple of an answer, the more believable. Many tend to believe a theory called Occam's Razor, which is attributed to William Occam and is a problem-solving principle that basically states that simpler solutions are more likely to be correct than complex ones, and that when explaining something, no more assumptions should be made than necessary. So theories like this in any murder case are always fun to think about and dissect, but there are too many moving parts to actually make it very plausible. The simpler the solution, the better. So as for me, I'm not really sure what I believe with this case. I don't have a solid cut and dry opinion like I do with a lot of other cases, such as Jean Bonnet, for instance. And I think that is why I'm so intrigued by this case. When I first started getting interested in it, I, I definitely thought it was Arthur Lee Allen, as do many people especially after seeing the Zodiac movie and reading the Zodiac book by Robert Graysmith. But as I did more research and read more things online from people who pretty much have dedicated their professional careers to this case, I saw more and more holes in the Arthur Lee Allen story, and people were bringing up so many discrepancies in the evidence. Part of me believes that the Zodiac is nobody I discussed today and is actually someone completely off the police radar and may have never been interviewed or maybe was briefly considered and then dismissed and just faded away. Obviously, the Zodiac wasn't an idiot. He was a clever man or he would have been caught long ago. And I think he could also be dead at this point or he eventually got old and grew tired of the facade and ended his killings as many serial killers do. A lot of them get tired and get worn out and they lose interest. As with the Golden State Killer, who wasn't caught until he was in his 70s, I believe, the Zodiac could very well be sitting at home right now, watching TV, drinking a beer like the rest of us. And I think that's the part that keeps me interested in this, thinking there's a possibility that this guy's still out there living a normal life amongst all of us. But whatever the truth may be, I hope that some answers are on the horizon. Cold cases like this always kind of make me feel sad because there are so many people who have worked on this and dedicated their careers to solving it, and they will never know the truth. Just last year, San Francisco Police Department officer Dave Toshi, who was instrumental in this case, died, and it kind of makes me sad thinking that he might have been on his deathbed thinking about this and mulling it over and wondering what was going to happen. Of course, it also makes you feel for the families of these victims that will never have closure on this. 
There's something about not knowing the truth that drives us all a little crazy, and I think that's why so many of us find true crime so interesting. It gives us something to fixate on and think about other than our mundane lives. It gives us something bigger to think about and to ponder. I would really love some feedback on what all of you think of this case and if you have any favorite suspects. I know several people in my life who I've talked to that said this was their first introduction to the Zodiac, so I'm really curious what you guys think as outsiders who have never heard of this case before. I would also love to do more series on different serial killers, so if there's someone you would like me to cover more in depth, please just let me know and I will gladly do it. Again, you can reach me on Instagram and Facebook at Weird on the Rocks podcast or weirdontherocks.weebly.com. I would really love to hear your thoughts on this series. I feel like I kind of can get down this dark rabbit hole of Zodiac stuff, so it's interesting to come out of it and see the light and talk to new people about it and hear their thoughts about it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really hope you guys enjoyed this series. I put a lot of work into it. It was a labor of love for sure, so... I hope you all enjoy it, and thank you just for supporting the show and me in general. It means the world to me. And until next time, cheers and stay weird. Stay weird.